Hello, hello, hello everyone. Welcome back to Money Awakenings. I am your host, Larry Morrison, Jeff Gordon, DJ Radio. Uh, yes, okay. So typically on these podcasts, what I like to do, I like to go for a walk. And talk as if you're right there with me. However, I am in Colorado right now and it is freezing cold outside. So I have had to adapt. And right now, this new adaptation is I'm on a drive. So we're going to pretend that you're in the passenger seat while I'm driving. You're riding shotgun. And we're having a conversation that is entirely one-sided. What's so fascinating about this is how many times I use driving as an analogy for the subconscious, where literally my subconscious is driving the car, uh, the truck, but my subconscious is driving the truck while I'm opening a channel for whatever's coming through from my heart. And so there may be times where my conscious awareness needs to focus on the road, um, and in those times I'll just probably pause the thing. But... I wanted to first start with a line from Charles Darwin, who, love him or hate him, uh, was very misunderstood. And um, he is quoted as saying, and this is what gets misconstrued by his contemporaries, um, he's quoted as saying, it's not the strongest or the smartest that survives, the, uh, the strongest or the smartest species that survives. It is the one most adaptive to change meaning the one that is willing to evolve will survive and the one who is not will die off. And we all must remember that as we've talked about perception and evolution so much lately, or I have and you've listened, um, we have to adapt to changing circumstances and this is what I'm attempting to do while doing a podcast and driving. Okay, so a couple of things I wanted to flesh out. Um, Let's start with money stuff. On this podcast, I'm always focusing, typically, uh, I should say typically, focusing on money beliefs that stop and hinder money from coming to us, uh, abundance from flowing. Abundance is always trying to get to you, just like love is always trying to get to you, and we're the ones that push it away by believing we don't deserve it, we're not good enough, and we're not worthy of it, and we have to suffer or struggle to create money. Remember, earning means to struggle or to suffer to deserve. That's what earning means. And so if we stop this story that we need to suffer for it, it can come more easily. But since it's so deep-rooted in your psyche, it takes some work. Uh, It takes some real work to face these things. And we're going to get into that. But I want to start with Doing something for the money. I've talked about this many, many times. Uh, but it's been a while, so let's, let's check back in with it. I was in Aspen recently. I'm just leaving Aspen, actually, um, for some snowboarding. And uh, I, while I was there, I, you know, I, I, this is my first time there, and I checked out the town and got to know it a little bit. Um, you know, this is where the wealthy people are, and I'm in that frequency, so it didn't feel foreign to me, which was super cool. Um, But what was fascinating is they had the the etymology or the evolution of the town. 
starting from the 1800s, which it was a settlement by the Ute Indians. And then, of course, uh, Westerners came, and I'm not going to go down that rabbit hole. I think we all know what happens um, <laughs> to the Native Americans. But uh, uh, it evolved into a... Um, it was just a settlement where nothing really was going on, just a kind of a pass-through place. Um, and then it, uh, they discovered silver in these hills. And so it became a mining town uh, for many, many years. And what was super fascinating to me was the largest silver nugget ever found known to mankind in the history of the world is found here in Aspen. Ironically, it was found in these three giant chunks. Um, so it's not one nugget, but it was like one little pocket that was considered the biggest um, nugget of all time. And they had a picture of it. Um, I mean, it had to be the size of like... Uh, like a, a Walmart, like a, like a watermelon on steroids. Like it was, it was like pretty big. Uh, maybe like two watermelons put together. And... Um, uh, what's super funny is they found that nugget, the largest in history, after the silver prices had crashed, which means that thing was almost worthless, when a year before you would have been a millionaire. Isn't that funny? Why do I bring that up? A couple of reasons, two, in fact. One, and the first one, which is what we're going to start with, the main reason. When you do things solely for money, you make money your God. You make money the outcome. You make money the result, and you're attached to the result. The, re the result is, I get money, and then I'll be happy. That's conditional living, right? That's a conditional love perception of things. And you're also putting money as the barrier to what you want to do. Like, I've talked about this many times before. But, like, let's say you want to be um, a Pilates instructor. One of my clients brought that up recently. She wanted to learn Pilates because she loves it and become an instructor and all that. And I'm like, go for it. She's like, well, there's no money in it. And, of course, this is why she came to me, right? But anyway, point is... Let's say you want to be a Pilates instructor, and then you're like, what I'm going to do is, I'm going to get this business off the ground because right now hoverboards are super hot, or uh, the do-it-all-for-you-dolly, no, I don't know why, it's Christmas. Um, right now, what are the fidget spinners are really hot, or whatever the, the fad is. I'm going to build a business around that, make a bunch of money, and then I can go do what I want to do, do what my heart is calling me to do. Do you see the ridiculousness of that, or does that make sense to you? The ridiculousness is your heart is telling you to do something, and you're saying money is more important. Money is hindering me. That's like saying air is hindering me. There's not an abundance, there's not enough air for me to do what I want to do with this life. That's fucking stupid. And remember the definition of stupid. Stupid is you get an inspiration, an inner guidance, you get a, a red flag, a warning, or some kind of other intuitive message, 
and you ignore it by saying, I can't figure it out, I can't do it, that is what the definition of stupid is. Basically, you're making yourself stupid by believing that you can't figure something out or that you won't get the handle on it or whatever, okay? That's stupid. You're making it, you're dropping your IQ by believing you're not smart enough. By believing you are incapable, incapable of doing this thing. Okay? It doesn't make any sense to put that kind of a hindrance in your way. And here, I I can speak from experience. I've said this many times before too when I bring this up, which is, I thought the same exact way in the past. I became a real estate investor because I was like, I'm going to make a boatload of money in real estate and then I'll be able to retire and do whatever I want to do. I'll have the passive income. I'll have the big chunks of money. Then I'll be able to do what I want to do. The problem is you fool yourself into thinking you like it, which it only could last so long before I got burnt out because I really didn't love real estate. I love a lot of aspects of it, but I didn't love it as a whole. It wasn't fulfilling to me. And like... Did I make boatloads of money? Yeah. But I, I didn't take the time to figure out what I actually wanted to do with this life. And so I was like, well, I'm just going to do what everybody else is doing and go after the money. And the point is, as I had to find out too, like I went after the money, I went after real estate right after the crash of 08. Yeah, you know, prices being what they were is whatever, but the inventory shrank because um, the banks didn't, they held on to the foreclosures to artificially drive up the market, to artificially, not to flood the, the market with um, supply so that demand went up. It's a smart move. They basically controlled the market, which is fine. But um, my point is when you go after for something for the money, you're never going to be fulfilled. It's never going to be satisfying. It's never going to... Because you're not following your heart. Now, if you're following your heart, and it happens to be a trend, then you're riding the wave of abundance. You're right there. And think about it like this. How would you ever compete with somebody whose heart was in it? Let's say it's the the fidget spinner craze all over again. And somebody just absolutely adored and loved and designed and built. And like, you're never going to compete with that person just because you're trying to make a buck. I mean, yeah, sure, you might make some money at it. But anyway, point being is I know what it's like to have that kind of logic. And it's just never going to, you don't have the energy when you're not, when your heart's not in it. You do not have the energy or the patience to keep going if your heart is not in it, if you're not excited about it, then it becomes a barrier. Plus, you burn through so much time trying to master something that your heart's not in. Like, how, I mean, I'm grateful for all the knowledge I have about real estate. It's awesome. But, you know, because I'm sure I'm going to buy property again in the future. But, like, it's not like it was ever a waste of time is my point. But in reality, like, if you went and learned about fidget spinners... Yeah, sure, you might learn a lot about online marketing and, you know, manufacturing out of China and stuff like that. But if your heart's not in it, you're not mastering, you're spending time mastering something that is not 
where your highest excitement is. And if you're, you know you can master anything after 10,000 hours, then why wouldn't you be putting those hours into something that your heart was excited about? Now, if you don't know what that is, wouldn't it be best to master uncovering, to ex master exploring, master self-discovery, which is exactly what this whole game is all about? Wouldn't that make more sense to master that? Like I always say, if you don't know what your, imagine your heart's calling is like buried treasure. You got to get through a lot of your shit to get into that for your heart to feel comfortable revealing it to you. Because if it reveals to, it to you, let's say, again, one of the Pilates instructor, but you have never worked on your limiting beliefs, you're going to run into smack dab into the limiting belief that I can't make money doing what I love. And then that's going to stop you if you don't have the momentum of letting go of limiting beliefs and, and low perceptions, right? That's a very low perception. It might be one of the lowest perceptions when it comes to following your heart is I can't make money doing what I love. That's ridiculous. Why? Who said that? Why did you believe it? Everybody loves to watch a master at work. So, first and foremost, shift your perception to the highest perception, which is if I'm excited about it, the creator of all things wants me to do it, and I have its support, including money. That's the highest perception. The second thing I want to bring up is, as we know, value as I've gone through many times before, is agreement-based. You, you agree to what something is worth. So you could agree that fidget spinners are worth their weight in fucking gold, and tomorrow, like right now, the, the, phase is, the fad is gone. The phase is out. And those things are worth nothing right now. So do you really want to be a part of a business whose value is determined outside of you. You're the one who sets your value on your highest excitement, your product, your service. I'm speaking directly to the spiritual entrepreneur or future spiritual entrepreneur. You're the one who sets the value, not anyone else. And if you are in, if you are a part of a business or a company whose value is set outside of you, you really have to examine. You really, really have to examine why you're in that business. And if your heart's telling you to be in it, great. But why wouldn't you be the one to control the value of that, of your time and energy? That part doesn't make sense to me. Any service, I don't care what it is, coaching, I know, mediumship, um, energy healing, massage, I don't care what it is. You do not set prices based on what everybody else is doing. That is ridiculous. You set prices based on what your heart tells you to set the prices at, regardless of if anybody buys it or not. This is adaptation. This is being adaptive to change. Because the juxtaposition, the alternative, is you're now stuck with what everybody else is doing. 
and they're controlling your life instead of you following your heart. I raised my prices recently and got no takers. And I was more excited about that than anything. Because now, here's the thing, gang. You cannot bring, and I'm still working on this, so I'm saying this for me too. You cannot bring the nuts and bolts, ones and zeros, business mindset to the spiritual entrepreneurship. Everything has to be about following your heart. The path is not linear. It is not a linear path. It is not, you know, start up, get capital, sell a product and sell out or whatever, cash out or whatever. It's not like that. And so you have to enjoy every step of the way and the way to enjoy every step of the way is to follow your heart every step of the way so you can never look back I never look back and go oh I should have done it different no because I have the trump card which is I followed my heart which means it's perfect which means I got everything out of it that I needed to get out of it you see and this is going to go back to enjoying what you're creating enjoying what you're creating regardless of the outcome regardless of the outcome you need to enjoy what you're doing and if you're not enjoying all of it then the things that you don't enjoy need to be delegated but first investigated as to why you're not This investigation piece is so huge. Because if you simply said, well, I don't like to do payroll. Like, I don't like to do payroll. Um, And I'm I'm delegating it. I know I've been talking about that for years, but it's happening. Um, Not years. Six months, probably. Maybe a year. Um, I don't like to do payroll. And I've investigated it. It's not, it doesn't have anything to do with my past. It doesn't have anything to do with money. It doesn't have anything to do with scarcity. I just don't care for it. Now I do it because obviously I, don't, I haven't delegated it yet. And I'm in the process of delegating it. I'm training on it. Actually, this have uh, been training on it for a couple months with um, my assistant. So um, the point is, when you investigate something, you have, to, you have to see what the driving factor is. Is it bringing up negative emotion for you to go inside? Or is it, are you not judging it as bad? I, obviously, I don't think payroll is bad. Uh, I just discern it as something I don't prefer. Just like when you were at a buffet, you've, test, you know, you've tasted everything on the buffet. Just like, I don't, I don't care for this. It, it doesn't mean that, you know, Brussels sprouts killed my father or something. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's no emotional investment or attachment to it. It's just I don't care for it. In my opinion, my discernment, my my preference is I don't care for it. That's very, very different than, um, you know, I had this happen recently with an affiliate marketing person who said, you know, we were transferring money via Venmo, and she's like, I don't ever attach my bank account to any third-party company because I've been screwed over one time. And I'm like, so you're letting one traumatic experience, if it was even traumatic, stop you from using 
an, an, a technology that will greatly improve how and what you do. That is not a preference. That's based on a past experience and a false belief or low perception. Okay? Now, if you say, well, Larry, aren't we supposed to learn from these experiences? Yes, but what are you learning? You could be adopting a, a negative belief. Right? I, if you get in a car accident, I know this, I've used this before. I get in a car accident, now I'm scared to get in a car, now I think driving is dangerous. Ironically, as I'm driving right now. That will greatly hinder my experience. That's a low perception. Uh, that, you, that won't bring you anywhere. Driving with zero awareness or driving while texting or driving, uh, you know, drunk or something like that, that's dangerous. Right? Your perception is altered. So the subconscious can't drive the car. <laughs> but do you see, I'm just trying to, to show you the contrast here between preference, discernment of preference versus judgment of something as bad based on vast experiences that you didn't like or didn't prefer. Something that hurt. Those are massively different, most are massive different motivators or reasons for doing something. Right? Sorry, I'm changing lanes. Uh, okay. So let's get into something that has to do with this. It, it occurred to me in the shower this morning, which is the whole reason I was like, maybe I should drive and do this, is I was in the shower and I was like, something came to me, which is a playoff of something earlier, which I'll tell you all about. It's no big deal. But, you know, we've talked on this before and I've written before about sovereignty. And the idea is to get to your own personal sovereignty. So sovereignty, as my definition of it is, <clears throat> from this current perception, is the ability to choose what you prefer to experience based on nothing else but that is what you choose. Based on nothing else but that's what's coming from your heart. So, yes, it's still there. So, sorry, speed traps and these whatnots. Driving, isn't it fun? Okay. <sighs> Where was I? Now, sovereignty. Choosing something based solely on that's what you prefer and based on no past experience. Um... Well, maybe not no past experience. Hmm. This is good. I like this because this is what I want to do. I want to flesh out these ideas with you. So, yeah, based on no influence from past experiences. But then that leads you down the rabbit hole of how do you have anything based on no past experience at all which is exactly the rabbit hole I want you to explore because that connects you to your heart and the deepest part of you or the highest 
vibration part of you, your higher self, your soul, the God part of you, your heart, that is what's choosing the thing. Not your past experiences and not your brainwashing or your programming from your parents. This is what came to me in the shower, which was the biggest enemy to personal sovereignty is the need for approval. The need for approval drives so many decisions that you make, that we make, whether it's mostly about the approval from your parents based on your conditioning and your programming and your indoctrination into society or into human experience, but it could also be approval from your loved one or your spouse or your children or your boss or your friends or your friend group or your social group, right? So it's not just approval from the parents, though approval from the parents is like the genesis of it all. The beginning of where the need for approval begins is with your parents. So I will be very candid with you. I'm always pretty candid, but um, I've known for a while that I have a problem. Problem is not the right word. I have a challenge building strong relationships on a spiritual level with men. Um, Not that I don't have deep, you know, deep-rooted and and great friendships with men, but they're more difficult, more challenging for me to start one today in my life um, than it is with women. Um, I was raised by women, you know, I have, my feminine side is, you know, wide open, completely healed, you know, I have a ton of sisters, soul sisters, and, and, you know, I'm madly in love with the woman of my dreams, and she has daughters, like, it's easy for me to be around women, and I do have male friends, uh, and, and some of them are spiritual as well, but making new friendships in that regard is difficult for me, uh, it's challenging, and so basically my heart and soul said it's time to look at that and why is that (laughs) and uh, it's time to work on that and so uh, what I discovered is you know first and foremost with other men I feel a sense of competition Um, always have it's kind of the the male ego the 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 bravado the like you're always you know measuring your dicks against each other but really I'm, I'm I'm the highest perception of it is how do you compare yourself to another human being that's not even possible so why do we do it well the ego does it so that it can get back get you back into the ego's game which is um the ego's game is always the same it's the carrot and the stick right so it dangles a carrot for you to chase and it hits you with a stick of shame or guilt or fear uh, when you don't do what it wants so like you have to take out the trash or keep a clean house even if you live alone because you'll feel shame if you don't right i'm not doing enough right it's uh, the not good enough is the stick and the once you get here you'll be happy is the carrot and so subconsciously the ego is trying to pull men well i assume it happens with women as well comparing each other but um i haven't lived a, a woman's experience so i don't know um, but with men, you're always like subconsciously constantly comparing, 
you know, whether it's, you know, money or your family or your, the hotness of your the woman you're seeing or, you know, um, your health, physical fitness, uh, obviously, um, how, your IQ and how much you know and how smart you are. So you're always comparing and measuring, which creates the competition, which is spawned from the ego. Well, in the ego's game... But how do you compare your life to someone else, especially not knowing, most people don't even know why they're here. So how do you compare that? And the highest perception of it is we're all on the same team. We're all one big family. The lowest perception of um, this kind of situation is I have to beat everyone. I have to be on top. I have to be the alpha. Which, funny enough, when we go back to Darwin, the alpha actually doesn't run the show. It's, it's the herd that runs the show. It's usually the females, actually. Uh, in a herd of deer or cattle or whatever, if you're moving them, um, the alphas really don't really run the show. Uh, when you get into Jordan Peterson stuff like lobsters, and there's certain species that the alphas do kind of run everything. But for mammals, uh, it's rare that the alphas actually control what the herd does like a king would. Um, but anyway, every man is trying to be the king of their own world, the king of their own castle. And so you compare houses, and you compare cars, and you compare accomplishments, and you're always competing. Um, But what are you competing for? Well, you're competing for self-worth. You're trying to prove that you're good enough against other people. So what does that tell you? That tells you that you believe you're not good enough, and something in the physical world is going to fix that. Which is, of course, ridiculous. It never happens. It never gets there because the not good enough is a belief system. It is a perception of who you are inside of you. It's in your subconscious programming that you're not good enough. So it doesn't matter how many accomplishments you have, how many, um, you know, mountains you climb or gold medals you get at the Olympics or how much money you make, if that not good enough is still inside of you, it's never going to be enough. This is what I found, ironically, as we have just spoken, when I did real estate, I made a shitload of money. It was never enough. It was never good enough, you know, Uh, because I wasn't enough. I wasn't good enough. Of course, I didn't know that at the time. I know it now looking backward. But that's what happens in the male world, uh, especially in business. It happens all of the time. And um, point being, I feel this competition every time I'm around men. Even some of my close, well, maybe not my like closest, closest best friends. But like almost every single time I'm around men, I feel that sense of competition, of measuring, of them asking questions about what I do or how much I make or what I'm driving or where I'm living, all based on if, if the comparison. You know, when I lived in the RV, I still live in the RV, but when I was traveling the country in the RV and not parked in Colorado for the snow and for love, Everybody, every one of my male friends was like, I'm super jealous. That's amazing. Why would you be jealous unless without comparison? Right? You'd have to compare to feel jealousy. So, um, I always feel that sense of competition. 
But what is interesting about that, and what I want to flesh out on this with you guys, is where does that come from? For me, as I as I investigated this and started to peel back the onion layers, it comes from my father. Okay. I'm way harder on the men in my life than I am the women in my life. I give them, I'm way more flexible, way more unconditionally loving. I'm way harder on men, especially when it comes to keeping their word. Uh, And that's because of my father. My father is a a pathological liar, uh, a sociopath, and so he never kept his word. His word didn't matter. He just said whatever the hell was on. He just said whatever his ego told him to say. And which is all good. I mean, it it all happened for a reason and all that kind of stuff. On the grand scheme of things, everything got me to here. So it's perfect. And I'm grateful for my father. He was an amazing teacher of what not to do, Um, which is the contrast, which is important. You know, if you wanted to learn how to be unconditionally loving, give your, be a parent that's a sociopath who couldn't, who's so locked into conditionally loving everything um, and that nothing is ever good enough that's how you get to know unconditional love is by the contrast right I had amazing contrast growing up and so um, I'm way harder on men and it's because I'm hard on my father It's because I'm really not in competition with other men. I'm in competition with my father. Underlying every time I think of doing something or I used to until now, it was always like, there was always a part of me that's I'm better than my dad because I'm more unconditionally loving, because I've surrounded myself with a loving, open-hearted people who are doing this work and exploring these new dimensions. I'm, I'm better than my father because I'm open. I'm not self-righteous. I'm willing to look at other perceptions. I'm willing to let go of anything that doesn't serve me anymore. I'm willing to look for the highest perception. I'm always comparing it to compete with my dad. So then you have to ask yourself the question, how is that sovereignty if I'm doing the opposite of what he's doing? That's not sovereignty. That's rebellion. Do you see that? I'm rebelling against my father. Now, it's great because I rebelled into being a better person. But it's not sovereignty. Not really. Because if the underlying belief is I have to beat my dad, then it also incites judgment. I'd have to judge what he did as wrong and what I'm doing as right. That's the only way competition could exist. Competition can't exist without judgment. I mean, there's even competitions with judges in them, right? Any kind of beauty competition or, you know, swimming or diving or any kind of dance competition. Like, it's, there's judgment inherently in all competition. Now, yeah, there's sports where it's like, okay, you know put up more points, there's no real judge, there's no referees or whatever, but um, but my point is, you can't have competition without judgment, and so there's a big part of me that still needs to heal this perception of my father, that he did something wrong, yes, he lived a life that I don't prefer to live, and he raised a child that I, in a way that I would 
never prefer to raise a child. Uh, But that doesn't mean he was wrong. He did what he did based on his programming, based on his perception of reality. What's even so fascinating about this is even though he's a sociopath, I know he still did the best that he could do based on his perception of life. That's what's so interesting, is even though he's fucking nuts, he still did the best he could. I know that. I've always known that. I just didn't approve of his best. I didn't think his best was good enough. And here it all comes back in a cycle. This is what happens to not all of our parent relationships because it's never all. It's extremely rare that it's all. I mean, every single human being is brainwashed into conditional love. You can say all there. But very rare is it all of us have the same experience, right? Um, so I know this happens to so many of us where our parents make us feel not good enough. And they then teach us judgment because they've judged us. Then, of course, they teach us self-judgment because they have self-judgment as well. And then we judge them back as not good enough. If you think your parents did a shitty job, then don't wonder why they think you're doing a shitty job at life. Turnabout's fair play. Right? Turn it 180 degrees around. Take a look at it. Everybody is our mirror. If they're disappointed in you, guaranteed you're disappointed in them. And there's no difference in me and my father. I'm definitely not the son he wanted. He wanted a clone of himself. And he's definitely not the father I want. Well, that's not true. On the soul level, he's the exact one I wanted. On the soul level, he did the perfect thing to get me to this consciousness level, to get me to this awareness, to this perception. In essence, there's nothing wrong. But on the lower perception realm, in my human experience as a child growing into an adult of humanity, it was definitely not what I preferred. I would have preferred a loving parent. But I'm grateful I got one. Because I've come across, while well, working with clients, I've come across people that had none, that were raised by both parents were narcissists or abusive or whatever. So I'm grateful I got one. And the contrast was beautiful. Everything was perfect. But yeah, no, I would have, in the human experience, I would have definitely preferred to have a loving father. Uh, so in that way, we're both disappointments to each other. And I'm always not... I'm not trying to prove my... How do I say this? I'm always trying to prove myself worthy by proving him wrong. And that is what happens when I'm around other men. The subconscious kicks in. The programming takes over. 
And now that I'm aware of it, I'm going to stop it, of course. But the, sub, the subconscious programming is I need to prove myself worthy of their love by comparing and measuring and showing them that I'm equal or better than they are. Usually I'm just fighting for equal love. Unless it's someone I don't like, then I definitely want to show them that I'm better than them. Right? If there's some, if there's some obnoxious narcissist, I always want to show them I'm better than them. Because it's my father that I'm trying to show this to. This is an enemy to my own personal sovereignty. Because now I'm having challenges having as many spiritual men around me as I do spiritual women. And I have a lot of amazing soul sisters. Just some of the most amazing divine feminine women you'll ever experience, you'll ever have the joy of being around, are in my life. And yet, I feel a lack. Even though there's an abundance of everything, there's, in my life, I'm seeing the lack, which is fine, there's nothing wrong with it, I accept it as it is, it's perfect, but I'm seeing the lack of spiritual men, and that is completely due to my own programming or habits of thought or negative beliefs that I need to compete, that I need to prove myself. That I'm always being judged. I'm always being judged anyway. What does it matter if it's coming from men or women? Right? Who cares? The point is, I can't have sovereignty in this area until this part of me is healed. What the fuck does this have to do with money, Larry? I will tell you. If you're a woman and you're listening to this and any part of you is in competition with your mother trying to prove yourself worthy of her love by proving her wrong and you see any semblance of that, you know, from the man's perspective, we call it being catty with other women where women see other women and try to tear each other down because of their own not good enough stuff and their overcompensation. And the only reason you would ever tear anyone down is what? If, if you thought that you were inferior to them. You don't tear people down to your level if you don't feel inferior. Because there's no reason to. If you like see a homeless person, you don't tear that person down because you don't feel inferior to them. Right? You don't tear anybody down that you feel equal to either. So if you're a woman and you have any of this makes at all any bit of sense to you, what if another woman brought you an opportunity to create some magical thing in your life that your heart wanted to, not just for the money, but because you had this sense of competition with this woman you didn't take that opportunity. Or if she reminded you of your mother, you didn't take that opportunity. Do you see now 
how this belief system of competition, whether it's the same sex or not, but typically, you know, when, you know, your mother is the model for how to be a woman and the, the man is the, your father is the model of how to be a man in your life for the boy, right? So like, this could directly impact your money situation if an opportunity comes knocking and you haven't sorted this out. So that's what it's got to do with money. Don't ask me again. Okay, I'm just kidding. I can't hear you anyway. I'm just imagining it. So, where was I? So this is a, a, an issue that I want to work on. And it starts with first understanding that there's an abundance of spiritual men in the world. And it's my sense of competition that's keeping them at bay. It's also to understand that I'm not in competition with my father. He did the best he could with the information he had and the programming he had and the ego he had. He did the best he could. Even though his ego had won the game, he had become a narcissist and a sociopath, so that the, the ego 100% controls his perception and can never let him be happy or me around him. And even though he's completely miserable and I don't want to be completely miserable, so therefore I'm not going to listen to his belief systems, he still did the best he could and everything was perfect. I'm not in competition with him. Also, based on evolution alone. You are always going to be better than your parents based on evolution alone. If you're exactly like your parents, you're not evolving. If you're exactly like your parents, you're doing everything they fucking told you to do, you're not evolving. You're not taking a step in evolution, which is going to feel very painful to you. You're going to be stressed out, anxious, constantly worried, judging yourself, self-loathing, self-hatred, because you're not evolving. You're thinking about what they want. Not what you want. That's not sovereignty. Okay. So now. I'm always going to be better than my father based on evolution alone. That is what's happened since the dawn of all species on this earth have evolved one generation is the next generation is always better because they ideally have all the and they see all the mistakes or the misunderstandings or the misalignments with the previous generation fix those keeps what keeps what working and advance it just like we watch in technology right the samsung 21 is better than the samsung 10 always now, there might be some features that you prefer that they keep come back or whatever. But it's always going to be better, faster, stronger, smarter. That's evolution. You're always better than your parents, and your kids are always better than you. And that's what you want to have happen. When you don't want your kids to be better than you, you have a really hard look in the mirror to, to make. You have a really... You probably won't even be listening to this, so I don't have to worry about that. But if you didn't want, if you were jealous of your kids in any way, you're comparing and competing with them. Just like when I hear, back in my day, we had to walk uphill, shut the fuck up. 
It's not back in your day. That day is dead and gone. Don't be jealous. Just be grateful that the next generation doesn't have to suffer like you did. Why are we losing gratitude for that? Do you think that walking uphill both ways and all the suffering you did made you who you are? No, it made you an ornery old person. Your time is gone now. It is our time. And while we are grateful for every sacrifice that everyone made to get us to this point, that is in no way a justification of being jealous of the next generation. These kids are entitled. Yeah, because they don't think you have to suffer to create. They're not born with that brainwashing. They're looking at it and going, that's not true. I don't have to suffer to create something in my life like you bullshitly believed. Bullshitly, new word. Put that in the Urban Dictionary. (sighs) Sovereignty means you're making a choice based on what your heart wants, not the brainwashing of your parents, not the approval of anyone, not the direct competition or rebellion versus your parents, siblings, or anything else, peers. It's just following your heart because that feels the best. And there's a reason why following your heart feels the best. Now, yes, it might be corrupted with the limiting beliefs coming at you and saying you can't make money doing what you love. I can't make money as a Pilates instructor. Bullshit. Bullshit. You think the you could be the next yoga with Adrian. Right? Pilates with Jennifer or whatever. Like there's yeah, I mean there's a Pilates machine, but you can do Pilates without machines. Funny enough, uh, you can be the next Joseph. Pilates with Joseph. Because Joseph Pilates was the guy who invented Pilates in the 50s was a man and it was actually made for men. Funny enough. Anywho, point being, and now it's evolved to be a women's thing because it's all about core work, which then helps everything else. But point being, the brainwashing says you can't make money doing what you love. That's your parents talking. That's your parents never dealing with their fear and passing it down to you and the way to evolve is to let go of what your parents fears for you are and challenge yourself to fucking carve your own path based on what your heart is telling you to do and nothing else Because if you're basing decisions based on past experiences, I'm not going to use a third-party app because I had fraud one time. You don't know that evolution might have also affected all these third-party apps and now everything's better and this is the way we're evolving, how we're moving money around, and now you're left behind. Because you're making decisions based on past experiences. You have to check in with your heart and say, and sit quietly. Does this make sense for me anymore or is this limiting me? 
what am I so scared of? Fraud happened before. I lived through it. I can live through another fraud. I can take steps to make sure that this fraud doesn't happen again. You know, I can have a separate bank account that I use just for this or whatever. Like, there's a million different ways. Now, I honor that something you don't prefer happened, but did you run it through your own heart? Maybe you were only supposed to not do that until now. Right? I had a horrible car accident. I didn't drive for a while. I'm I'm not saying me. It was a hypothetical from the analogy earlier. Let's say you had a horrible car accident. You were scared. You had to heal mentally and physically. You didn't drive for a long time. But now you have to check in. Yeah. It would have been worse if you got in the car fully stressed out and anxious. But now that you've worked through everything, now that you've evolved and, and life has evolved and your perception of driving has evolved, now you need to check in and see what your heart says. Heart says it's time to get back in the car, back to get time to get back on the horse. Then you gotta let that past experience go. It did what it needed to do. Sovereignty means undoing all of your parents' programming, or at the very least, investigating all of it to see what you want to keep and what you don't. And all of it needs to be investigated and run through the filter of your own heart. With my father, for instance, there's a couple of things I'd like to keep from him. He had an extreme confidence, no matter where he walked, that was because he thought he was better than everybody, but he had an extreme confidence no matter where he was. And no matter where he was in the world, he's a world traveler like I am. He had a confidence about him that was like, I can figure anything out. And I have that same confidence. If it was invented by a man, a human, not necessarily a man. If it was invented by a human and and the human mind created something, I know I can figure it out too because I also have a human mind. And there's not really that many concepts that are super far out that enough time and energy I couldn't understand. He had that, and I I like that, and I prefer to keep that. He had confidence, I'll give him that. He also could turn on the charm whenever he wanted, as most sociopaths can. Now he was doing it for the wrong reasons, of course to always manipulate and get what he wanted. Uh, But he still had the ability to turn it on any time. You know, he could flip a switch and he'd be your best friend. I love that. I love to be able to turn on the charm any time and not let my, you know, grumpy mood or anything that I'm upset about stop me from being charming and loving and open and, and being like, you know, this is my waitress. She doesn't give a shit what happened to me today or how bad my day is. Like, why can't I just flip a switch and be like, this interaction that we're going to have today is going to be great because that's what I choose. So those are two things I love about him. Everything else I can fucking care less about. Everything else was contrast to how I don't want to be. But those two things I like and I'd like to keep and I'd like to 
grow and evolve in myself. But if you've never sat down, and that's metaphorical, you don't have to actually sit down, but if you've never really taken the time to investigate everything that your parents passed down to you, every belief system, every way of being, every perception of this experience of human existence, if you've never investigated all of it, or any of it, then you're not sovereign. You're being run by your program. This experience is an experience of self-discovery. To know yourself, you must investigate your childhood. Because without question, you are making decisions that seem logical, but they are based on past experience, on brainwashing, on experiences from your past that do not serve you. And when an opportunity shows itself that says, hey, here's something that could completely change your life for the better, and you say, no, my dad had a similar experience, and because of that, I'm not going to? Or no, when I was, you know, in my 20s or in my teens, I got fraud on a bank account, and now I'm not going to do it. 10, 20, 30, 40 years later, that is the definition of a blockage, not letting you evolve. So I hope something I've said here today gets you curious. Curiosity mixed with, in combination with, the ability to shift perception is a superpower. So get curious as to why you make decisions. When you see something in your life that you see as a lack or not good enough, get curious. What is it about me that I think I'm not good enough? When I saw this, I have a lack of spiritual men in my life. What is this? Where is this coming from? Where are these beliefs coming from? Okay, and then you layer it. Oh, there's this competition area. Where does that come from? It comes from judgment. Okay, where's that? My father, you know, where's the blah, 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 blah. Follow the rabbit hole. Find out why you're making decisions that may not serve you. And be open to wherever they come from. Just stay curious. There's no wrong way to do life. Everything is fine. We're just here to evolve. My unconditional love to you. We are different drivers on the same road. Different snowboarders on the same mountain. Different clouds in the same sky. My unconditional love to you. Be well. Go gentle on yourself. Be gentle with yourself. Love yourself. You're going to be with you the rest of your life. Good journey, my friends.